Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. And before I read it while you're finding it, uh, I just have to take a moment to note that it will always stir me every time I enter worship here singing Lift High the Cross. Seeing it, it's a part of the processional with the choir this morning reminded me that this weekend marks, I, I looked it up, the eighth anniversary of the first time I was ever at Dolphin Way. I didn't have any idea I might be a pastor here. I didn't have any idea I might be a pastor here till the day the bishop called and said, hey, Michael, we need you to go to Dolphin Way. That was the first inkling I had. But eight years ago, annual conference, the annual gathering of uh, the clergy and lady from all over our region met in Mobile, and it was in this sanctuary that we ordained the new Methodist pastors on a Monday night in June of 2013. And I had the great privilege of entering in. And I remember when I walked through those doors and walked into this beautiful building and heard the organ playing, lift high the cross like I had never heard it played before. And the fact that I get to walk in hearing that now and get to do it many times over, it still seems like an impossible gift to me. What a joy it is to worship God together and to give greatness and give great glory in return to the God who has given us so much and whose glory is beyond all counting. We're going to hear a little bit about the fabulous and uncountable inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ as we hear from these words of Paul to the people of the church at Rome. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If in fact we suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Did you know that Mark Zuckerberg has a mortgage? It's true. Man who is worth $120 billion makes presumably monthly payments on a 30-year mortgage he took out in 2013 on a $7 million home in Silicon Valley. You might know more billionaires than I do, so you might know that this is a fairly common practice, but it was news to me. You see, most of Mark Zuckerberg's stock or most of his wealth is in Facebook stock, and if he were to go and sell off significant portions of that, it might affect his control over the company. And so instead, he typically lives off of loans. Lots of his peers do the same thing. Elon Musk of Tesla fame does it too, only as is often with Elon Musk, he does it to a much more extreme degree. Every year, rather than take a salary or any compensation from Tesla or any of the companies that he owns, Elon Musk just takes out a loan. And as of last count, 
He owes something like $550 million in personal loans, taken out just to cover his living expenses. And he owes that $550 million, even though he is worth almost 100 times that much. By the way, you know what kind of interest these folks pay on their loans? It's a little different than ours. Mark Zuckerberg has a 1% interest rate on his $7 million loan. The banks figure he's good for it. There's not too much risk in lending to him. If he lost 99% of his wealth, Mark Zuckerberg would still have 171 times more than he needed to pay off the note. And in fact, from the bank's perspective, his wealth is effectively infinite. The loan grows by 1% every year, and his wealth grows much faster. By taking out that loan, he makes himself richer. I'm not a licensed financial planner, so I can't tell you if all this debt is a good thing or a bad thing for these billionaires. They have very high-priced people who tell them what to do. I assume they're smart. I do know that there are fewer than 3,000 billionaires on the planet, and so I, I'm pretty confident that the other 99.99996% of us would be better off not running up that kind of debt just on our personal expenses. I hope you didn't come here for investment tips this morning. There are much more qualified people you should talk to. But as we walk through the book of Romans today, it is very important that we keep something in mind. Not all debt is the same. Because in the very first passage or sentence of today's passage, Paul tells the church that we owe a massive debt. But he insists that it's not the bad kind of debt. He says we are debtors, but not to the flesh. And then he goes on to say that if we live according to the flesh, we will die. A debt of the flesh will kill you. That's the bad kind. That's the kind you don't want. And there are entire books that have been written on what Paul means when he talks about the flesh. But for today, it's enough for us to know that this is part of Paul's shorthand for the things that are temporary as opposed to what is eternal. Earlier in the book of Romans, Paul described what he called the war within himself. The war that is uh, between what seems good in the moment temporarily and what will be good for forever. And I bet you know this war. I bet you have fought this war. You know the war between the donut that will taste so good temporarily and the exercise that will be miserable for the first 30 minutes but make you feel much better afterwards, maybe even all day. Now do that same calculus, but instead of all day, make the value and the worth of the good thing infinite. We may not be the best at math, but Paul figures we can do that kind of calculation. That it's better to have a debt, not to something that is already gone, something that is temporary, but it is better to borrow against the things that will grow eternally. Jesus himself said, it is better to store up treasures in heaven than to lay them up here on earth where moth will eat and rust destroy. Paul says we have a debt, but it's the good kind. We are borrowing against something eternal rather than something that is already gone or fading. We are debtors, but not to the flesh. 
And in the next two verses, Paul shows us how it is that we came into this kind of debt. He says, all of us who are led by the Spirit are children of God. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption so that we cry, Abba, Father. And maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you're so used to language like Heavenly Father or saying that you are a child of God, that you have lost the flavor for how very radical it is. Because let's not forget that Jesus was killed for claiming to be the Son of God. And we walk around saying, we are God's sons and daughters. Like it's the most obvious thing in the world. We believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. But we are the adopted children of God. And that adoption means we don't just belong. It means we have an inheritance. You see, in the ancient world, a person's entire legal standing depended upon the status of the head of their household. If you wanted to be able to stand up for your rights in court, if you wanted to own property, if you wanted to have any legal standing, you had to be or be connected to a head of the household who had such standing. And if you needed the protection or the status of a powerful family that was not your flesh and blood, there were only three ways you could become a part of their family. You could marry in. You could indenture yourself as a household slave. Or in the rarest of cases, you could be adopted. And all three of these would receive some measure of financial protection and legal status. But only one of those three could inherit. Only an heir could inherit the status and the family house and the legal status of the legal patriarch. And the astonishing good news that Paul wants to make sure the Romans understand is that every single person and the family of God is an adopted heir. Men, women, Jews, Gentiles, every single one of us has a share in the inheritance. So you want to know how it is that Jesus paid off the debt of our sin? He paid it with his inheritance. You want to know how big that inheritance is? How great his glory is? It is so vast that when he finished off paying every debt that every single person owed, he had enough to cover every sin that ever had been or would be. He had enough to share his inheritance with anyone who wants it. And after he had shared it all, he was still worthy. His glory, his net worth had not diminished one cent. He lived in our flesh he died our death, and when our debt of sin met the net worth of his glory, our debts were paid in full. He shared our flesh so that we could share in his inheritance. And now Paul wants to bring this good news to the city of Rome. He reaches out to the church that is there in Rome and says, I hope you will support me and prepare the way if I come to tell others about this good news that anyone can belong in the household of God and be a part of that inheritance. But before he comes, he wants to make sure the Christians who are already there know what they owe. Paul wants them to know they've been given a share in the limitless inheritance of the Son of God, so we have a debt. But it is not a debt like the old ones, those debts that demand more and more of us, the kind of debts you and I are familiar with. 
No, we, can, we owe the kind of debt that grows greater and more glorious and that magnifies God's glory in our own inheritance the more we pay into it. We owe the kind of debt that you get when you're playing with house money. And so what are we to do with this command, with this good debt we have accrued? Paul has a simple command. Do not fear. He says, so you have not been given this spirit to fall back into fear. You've been given the spirit of adoption. And the heir has nothing to fear. That's how you can tell the difference in good debts and bad debts. The bad debts all make you more worried. They give you something to lose, something to fear. But the central point of Romans for us today is that if you know you are an heir of the Lord of all creation, then your inheritance is big enough to cancel every fear. And let's name three of the fears that our inheritance has overcome. The first is the fear over what we have done. I've been preaching for a while now. And so I know enough to know that every single Sunday there is someone who shows up and feels as if they are here today to pay for past mistakes. Let's be real honest. There's more than one of you this morning. I don't know whose voice it, hear, it is that you hear in your head when the agency comes collecting on the debt of guilt that you brought in. It might be a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it was a church that laid that burden on you. Maybe the thing you keep paying for isn't even real. Like maybe you didn't really do what you thought you did or maybe it wasn't as bad as you think it is, but I respect you and I respect your intelligence and so I'm gonna assume that you are right. I'm gonna assume you did do it and that it is as bad as you think it is. Maybe even worse. And I can't make the consequences go away. I can't undo it, but I can tell you this. No matter how great it is, your inheritance is greater. And when every payment has been made, when every account has been reconciled, your inheritance in Christ will still be greater than you ever dreamed. It will have the last word. I didn't have time to read it all earlier, but would you like to know how Romans 8 ends? It ends with this promise. It says, neither the present nor the future nor the powers of height or depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing you can do that will separate you from God's love. There is nothing you could do that would empty his account. There was nothing you did to earn God's love, and so there is nothing you can do to lose it. The adoption papers are forever. And they say, this is my child in whom I am well pleased. You are a child of the king. And your inheritance can cover everything you have done. And it can also cover everything that you've left undone. This is a word for the parents among us this morning. If you're a parent, you know that fear. You don't want to give your kids everything. You just want to give them all the blessings that you had growing up. Plus most of the blessings that you wanted but didn't have growing up. And you'd like to do that without giving them any baggage alongside. We want it so badly that sometimes we think 
Our job is to love our kids even more than God does. We think we're supposed to give them more than the inheritance that Jesus shared with them. Or maybe you are just longing to see God's kingdom come. Maybe you want to see God's will be done. And if you know that longing, then that is enough reason to fear what is left undone because there's always something else to do, isn't there? There's always another hurt to heal. There's always another story to listen to, another way to help. And you wonder, well, if I don't do it, who will? And isn't it a wonder that God manages to keep the world going while you sleep? There's so much you've left undone. If you've been making monthly payments on the fear of what you have not done, listen to me. I'm going to quote Romans again. This time from chapter 5. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for us. While we were still weak. You know what that means, right? You were never going to do enough. You were never going to borrow enough time to justify yourself. You were never meant to. So your inheritance is eternity. And eternity can cover everything that you are afraid of. There is nothing you have left undone that will stop the day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can rest every now and then. Maybe once every seven days would be good. Your inheritance can cover it. Don't be afraid. If we are heirs, then our inheritance in Christ can cancel the debts on what we have done and what we have left undone. And lastly, this is so important to the book of Romans, our inheritance can even cancel out our guilt by association. You don't have to be afraid of your neighbor. God's glory will not be diminished if you share some of it with someone else. As Paul puts it later in the letter, he says, There is no distinction, therefore, between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For who calls on the name of the Lord, that one shall be saved. You see, in the book of Romans, Paul is writing to answer the fears of those who worry that maybe if we include the Gentiles, we are somehow making God's covenant with Israel less valuable, less worthy. Maybe it will be worthless if we extend it too far. Paul is answering up front the people in Rome because he has heard the whispers behind his back in the churches he planted in Antioch and Galatia. Paul has heard them saying, you know, if the Gentiles won't be circumcised and if they won't keep kosher, then if we share a table with them, doesn't that make us unclean? Aren't we compromising our faith? And his response in chapter 14 is, let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but let us resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of another. And isn't that a word? For a moment in which it seems every side is beset by loyalty tests and cancel cultures. A moment in which we are afraid we will be canceled for guilt by association. Isn't it the good news that the God who pays the debts on what you have done and left undone has also set you free from the fear 
you can give mercy and hospitality and love and blessings without fear that you might somehow give someone too much or give it to the wrong person. We've been given too much to be stingy with others. In fact, Paul will go on to say that the good debt we owe is a debt of love. We owe our love. He will say in chapter 13, Owe no one to anything except this, to love one another. That's the only debt we have left. A debt of love to one another and a debt of love to God. And that is the best kind of debt. Because when we pay that debt to God, we only magnify God's glory. We only make his worth and his worship greater. And because his glory is our inheritance, we end up better off. We give honor and glory and worship to God, and then it comes back to us as our inheritance, as God's own glory shines in the image he has made. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are all debtors, Paul said, but not every debt is the same. When you owe your debt to guilt and fear and shame and death, it will be too big for you. It'll take everything you have. But those debts are nothing compared to the incomparable riches of Christ. And if you will accept your inheritance, if you will let Christ claim you as his co-heir, the only debt you will have left is one of gratitude. And the more you pay that debt, the more you'll have to share. I hear that Elon Musk recently had to sell some houses. Poor guy. He needed some cash to cover some of his debts. I think he's going to be fine. But it's a nice reminder that even the greatest fortunes in the world come and go faster than we imagine. In the grand sweep of history, they are just a moment. In comparison with eternity, they are a rounding error. But you, you are of incomparable worth to your creator. You are worth so much that Jesus gave his very life. And Ephesians 1 says that you have been given the Holy Spirit as a down payment and a guarantee on your inheritance. Don't sell that out. Don't let sin or guilt decide what you're worth or what you're willing to share of yourself. Do not be afraid. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.